0: This episode of Manage Smarter is brought to you by SalesFuel Sales Manager Training. Based on the Sales Manager's Guide to Greatness, it's a 36-lesson on-demand program to upskill your sales manager so they can execute your vision and drive consistent revenue growth. Watch a free lesson and find out more at salesfuel.com slash smt welcome to the manage smarter podcast with hosts c lee smith and audrey Strong. we're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter hire develop and retain talent improve results and propel team performance to new heights this is the manage smarter podcast
1: Lean principles, lean deployment in coronavirus. Our guest today is an expert in that. We're not only going to find out what the heck that is, but if it's a good time to do it in the conditions we're in now, Lee.
0: I think it's almost always a good time to do it. Anytime that you can improve your process, it's, it's worth doing, especially if you can improve efficiency and improve your, uh, your bottom line. Always a good idea, and especially with everybody having to adapt to new ways of doing things. Uh, I think it's you know, very apropos in today's world, and I can't wait to hear more.
1: Welcome to Manage Smarter, everyone. Audie Pen is with us today. I'm Audrey Strong, and I'm the Vice President of Communications here at Sales Fuel.
0: And I'm Cee Lee Smith, the President and CEO of Sales Fuel.
1: So Audie is the owner of Audie Pen Consulting, managing partner for Faro Partners, and for more than three decades, he's been leading coaching and consulting teams to reach historic performance. In lots of industries and organizations, he's recovered multiple Fortune 50 companies, turned around billion-dollar businesses, and produced results that leadership teams have probably previously thought, oh, the heck with this. We're never going to get there. He got him there. Audie, thanks for coming to our microphones today. We're really excited to talk to you.
2: Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it very much.
1: Okay, so lean deployment, for those that aren't familiar with that term, what is it? Well, there's a lot of uh,
2: misunderstanding around lean. I think a lot of people think lean is just about focusing on process improvement. And I think that's really where the first breakdown occurs because it, it is process improvement, but there is a, there's a culture that comes along with it that when that is absent, we actually create frustration in our organizations because we can't sustain the changes that we know we need, that we've actually experienced and things seem to drift either backwards to where they were before or perhaps even off into a new direction. And, and so uh, what really came to mind as I listened to you introduce today's conversation is that management system or those accountability systems uh, that are so often missing that uh, without it, we can't sustain anything.
0: How do you know when your team is ready to embark upon a, a lean deployment to improve their processes? It's like is it the culture that comes first or you know, are, you know, are there telltale
2: signs that let you know that, that they're ready or things that you can do to make them ready? Well, I often answer this question by taking people into their own experiences. Um, uh, one of the questions that I love to ask groups is how many of you came to work today to do a bad job? And I think there's a connection to your question because no one shows up to do things the wrong way. So the willingness and the desire to improve our processes, quite frankly, is there all the time. It's, it's a natural part of being a human being. What gets in the way is us as leaders. And so you, I think your, your point about culture first is critical. Culture comes from leaders. And so a leader has to show up in a certain way and invite people into solving problems. But, but <clears throat> excuse me, seeing the problems clearly first... And I think that's, again, where this whole management system piece is absent and and necessary if we're truly going to find the greatest value from our improvement efforts.
1: Interesting. So um, how do you get your team ready for something like this so that, you know, they're open and willing to accept the changes? Some people hate change. You know that. They just dig their heels in.
2: Yeah. Well, I think it begins with a conversation.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: I think we, we often resist change because we're actually not allowed to participate in creating it. And so it often, change often feels like something that's being done to us rather than something that's being done with us. And so when we can show up and invite people into those changes, uh, great things happen. Most people on a, a work, in, in a work process team they know what the problems are, they experience those problems every day, and they've given thought to how to make those problems go away. Our conversations actually tap into those solutions and invite them into participating and in making those problems go away. So again, I, I always want to raise the mirror to myself and to other leaders and say, take a look at what you see. How is it that you're getting in the way of your team participating in making things better? You know, a lot of managers are
0: familiar with with Six Sigma. How is Six Sigma different from Lean?
2: Well, Six Sigma, there's a lot of overlap. There's there's definitely great similarities. Six Sigma, though, converts most of our problems into uh, mathematical equations, at which point we can use statistical analysis to solve them. Um, that, to me, is really the biggest difference. So the tools that we use in Six Sigma. Are statistical analysis and mathematical in their nature, whereas when we look at lean we really start to just look at processes themselves and the steps that are required to produce specific outcomes and that's where what I challenge people to see in, in every project is we're not done until we have four deliverables that are, that are created. New or improved standard work, new or improved 5S standards the training required to help everyone participate in what's changed. And then finally, that management system piece, the audit cycle or the accountability cycle that places that leader in a conversation to check, did you follow your standard work and did you produce the intended results? For me, that's the simplest way to look at that plan, do, check, act cycle is those two questions are really present uh, in the way we evaluate our processes.
0: Is that what you think is maybe the number one reason why so many people fail when they try to to do lead deployment or are there other aspects to it?
2: I think that is one of the most significant reasons. Uh, It comes right back to the leadership presence and the culture that is created and whether or not there's psychological safety present for teams and whether or not they're given the opportunity to own the solutions that make their processes better.
1: That was going to be my next question, which is what are other examples of the barriers that you refer to that leadership creates? So like you said, enabling your team to do things, not uh, doing it yourself for them, Mm -hmm. um, which was something we wanted to talk about, but what are some other barriers? What are some other things that we do that make this not work? Um,
2: I think as Sponsors, and that's that's the typical language that I use for not necessarily the process owner specifically, but the leadership. We have to learn to pay attention. And so, if we make a request into an organization uh, for a change because something isn't working, if we never return and ask questions about what's changing why would i as a team member feel that that's important so our attention as leaders really help to maintain the focus on what's important the other piece that that i think is is a gap is just not being able to define and communicate to teams what's important and that that's really taking us all the way into the strategy deployment piece where We've defined what we expect or what we need to move our organization into the future. And then we begin to communicate and translate that into the different organizational levels and different functions. That's not done very well today in many organizations, if it's done at all. Um, and then we have to understand that it's showing up and we have to see how it's changing the way that our teams are, are participating in their own processes.
0: You know, a lot of managers you know, think that their value comes from helping their reports do their job. And I'm just kind of wondering, at what point does coaching start you know, head, you know, crossing over into hand-holding and end up actually dragging this whole process down?
2: Yeah, and that's really what I see in a lot of Western leadership presence is the confusion between, I think my value is in showing you how to do your job Versus the greatest value that I can provide is by being clear about what success looks like in doing your job. At that point, a new conversation is available to us, and that conversation is how might we do this better? But until I understand what the outcome looks like and how I will be evaluated, either successful or unsuccessful. I'm not sure if my method will actually get me there. And, and there is to a successful evaluation, to successfully contributing to the, to the community and to the value that the customer receives. I need to know what that is and I need it to be clearly in front of me.
0: I can't offer suggestions on what route to take if I don't know that we're going to Topeka.
2: <laughs> so. Absolutely.
1: So, what is this learning cycle? The components of that that you refer to, and is it a, a process that applies equally to everyone, or will some people have more be more receptive to it? I think the differences that we
2: see in the receptiveness of different individuals really comes out of their own experiences. However, we can change that by being consistent. And respectful in the conversations that we invite them into. Um, one example from a project that I re- recently ran, there were, there were two mechanics that worked on heavy equipment that were participating in this project team and the first two meetings they were very quiet and I'm observing them and they're observing <laughs> the meeting and trying to get a sense of you know what, what, what are the rules here but I was very intentional about talking to them by name and, and, and asking them questions about what they, they thought the problem might be or the solution might be. And because I was consistent in that, about the third meeting, they really started to show up. They really started to believe, hey, this individual is interested in my opinion. This individual values me. I think I can participate in this conversation. What we're challenged with is being consistent because we want immediate results. And if you don't respond to me in the first conversation, then occasionally, most often, we're rejected and we don't go back to those individuals. And so until it's consistent enough to be believable, um, I'm just not going to participate. So that's, again, on us as leaders to show up in those conversations that way.
0: You know, we talk a lot about leadership and, you know, we think about the CEO and the board of directors and then we think about, you know, the, the middle management. And, you know, and of course, we didn't talk about, you know, the rank and file and everything like that. But what role does the customer play in, in the lean deployment?
2: That is, that is probably the greatest question that we could ask because we often ignore the customer. And what I mean by that is we think we know what they want. And so, this this tool, I I was exposed to it first in my Six Sigma training, voice of the customer simply says, hey, let me go and have a conversation with the customer to truly understand what they see value or how they see value and how we deliver that value to them. So, when I talk about outcomes, um, I think about the Safety, quality, delivery, productivity, whatever, whatever acronyms that you want to use, or whatever initials you want to use for those those different categories of success. But the customer really defines the quality. And, and in the four that I use, I'll rattle them off again: safety, quality, delivery, and productivity. The voice of the customer defines quality and delivery. The voice of the business defines safety and productivity. And so we have to balance voice of customer and voice of business when we define the successful outcomes of any process. And Audrey, I think your question was, is this applicable in every process? Yes, it is. And we just need to learn how to translate into different processes and translate safety, quality, delivery, and productivity into those processes.
1: So I promised at the top of the show, we would talk a little bit about all of this in the context of the pandemic. Um, Is this a better time with a bunch of remote teams in some sectors to be doing a lean deployment? Or is it a time a little bit more challenging given, I, I, I know it's based on different industries are finding this environment better and some have come to a screeching halt. But in general, if you could speak to that. I, I think that's
2: a great question and, and I've recently been asked um, to provide some training to one of my clients and, and the question was why is our why are virtual meetings so difficult? And Audi, can you can you give us shed some light on this? And when I opened up the session, I said, here was my challenge it was either start with virtual and then move toward meetings in general or start with meetings and move toward virtual specifically. And I said, and I've chosen to start with meetings in general and move toward virtual specifically. And here's what we learned. We really weren't very good at meetings to begin with. That's right. And the virtual (laughs) challenge simply surfaced all of those problems. And so to your question, I would say, We can certainly do lean now, but we're going to have challenges that the virtual world presents to us. We simply have to recognize what they are and make those adjustments. If your meetings suck in person, they're going to suck virtually. (laughs) Well, that was the language I used with the team. I just wasn't sure I should (laughs) use it today. (laughs) Yes, you you can.
1: (laughs) So let's say you said what seventy to ninety percent of lean deployments fail. Let's say you are in the twenty to thirty percent. You made the changes. Now, how do you sustain them for the long term and not go back to the old habits?
2: Well, familiar, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a fantastic question, and that leads us right back into the management systems, the accountability cycles, and the consistent conversations about what's important, how we're performing and quite frankly there's another learning loop in there and that is has the environment within which we are practicing or executing our process, has that environment changed to the point that we need to evaluate our methods and and I had a great conversation it was probably in May with one of my clients it was a regional president who said Audie I can see your work in my team's response to this pandemic. And I said, please tell me, tell me what you see. And he said, they're in a cycle of accountability meetings at a frequency that changed because of this, this day-to-day variation and uncertainty. And they're Uh making the right adjustments to take care of the people and to protect their health. And they're making those they're making those adjustments on the fly, and they're, they're following that learning cycle. They're implementing the changes, and they're auditing the changes on a much more frequent basis, and that's exactly what you've taught us to do in terms of maintaining our processes and stabilizing the outcomes.
0: I'm very curious to hear about this workbook that you're working on called Management System. What's
2: that about? It, it really tries to take these ideas, these, these different tools that help us in those management systems and, and make them real enough, create the right awareness so that everyone can internalize them and make them their own. So we talk about the accountability cycles, we talk about the strategy deployment, but we also talk about the leadership presence and how all of these different um, these different tools allow us to create the culture that invites people into participating in solving problems. And again, that's, what's missing. I believe from my own experience that, that pushes us into that failed deployment club. I think the more we get these management systems out and practice them, the easier it will be to recover these deployments or actually implement a deployment and and achieve the outcomes that we, that we desire.
0: And in some cases, just having a system is an improvement.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, keeping your eye on the ball. Well, if you'd like to uh, engage with Audi and, you know, get your hands on that workbook and uh, talk about lean deployment, it's faro.partners, right? And audipen.com. Yes. It's A-U-D-I-E-P-E-N-N, everybody. And, uh, oh, this is fantastic food for thought. Um, I it's really enjoyed the conversation, Audi. We're so glad you came today.
2: Yes. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it myself.
1: Thanks
0: for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com.